0: Welcome to episode 49 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook, and I also coordinate the training program within the ALPO. I want to thank every one of you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena, and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in a quarterly publication, known as the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you do enjoy what you hear on the Observer's Notebook, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can give as little as a dollar a month. If you feel even more generous, $5, you'll receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, dollars you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook, the official podcast, the official handbook of the training program. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast and a one-year's membership to the ALPO. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash observersnotebook. If you'd like to join the ALPO, membership begins at only $14 a year. You can find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. In this 49th edition, uh, we have Bob Lunsford. He's the coordinator of the Meteor section. And we're talking about the soon upcoming Perseids Meteor Shower. So sit back, relax, and enjoy it. Here's the Observer's Notebook. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook podcast. Uh, We have a special guest today, Bob Lunsford. He's the ALPO Meteor Section Coordinator, and we're here today to talk about the upcoming Perseids Meteor Shower. Welcome to the podcast, Bob.
1: Thank you very much. We've got an unusual event this year where uh, the Perseids will actually be good on two mornings. Oh, my. Uh, Sunday morning, August 12th, and Monday morning, August 13th. It just so happens that the maximum is expected right in between the two days. So either night should produce pretty much the same rates.
0: This is the one meteor shower I remember from my youth. I mean, it was always hyped as the meteor shower, one of the top meteor showers, to see when when it came around every August.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, It's the only one that really is a strong shower during nice warm weather. So... uh, that, that does make it the favorite.
0: Yeah, now let's, and, back, let's back up a little bit. For our new listeners, can you just give a brief intro to
1: what a meteor shower is? Sure. As the Earth uh, revolves around the Sun, it encounters particles produced by comets that happen to pass uh, over the Earth's orbit. And this particular comet, comet Swift-Tuttle, last appeared in 1992. And uh, actually, as it has a 130 uh, year orbit so each orbit is not exactly in the same position as the previous one so uh we pass through these so-called we call call them filaments every time we pass through a different one and that's what uh, produces outbursts of uh of the Perseid meteor shower and any other any other meteor shower that's caused by a comet now we're not predicted to pass close to any filaments this particular year, but still, we got to see a very good uh, shower due to the fact that the moon will be new on August 11th. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, <laughs> so moonlight will not be a problem at all. So uh, we got to see a pretty decent show.
0: Good. Now, um, how bright are these meteor- meteors expected to be?
1: Well, you know. It can range from barely detectable to fireball class, which is anything uh, brighter than than the planet Venus, which is now nicely uh, positioned in the evening sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are fairly rare, though. I wouldn't expect to see more than a handful of, of fireballs, and you'd have to watch for several hours to to catch any at all. So, uh, my suggestion would be to find a the darkest sky available. Because the darker your sky, the more stars you'll see. And therefore, the more meteors you'll see.
0: Okay. Now, different meteor showers have different characteristics, don't they? Some Very are different. fast moving, some are slower moving. What, how would you describe the Perseids?
1: Well, we we intersect with the Perseids almost a head-on uh, direction. So they are fast. Therefore, they produce a lot of persistent trains, which are little trails of smoke that are visible after the meteor has disappeared. Oh. So uh, any Perseid that's uh, in the negative magnitude range should leave a persistent train. And if you get a fireball-class Perseid, they can last up to 10, 15 seconds, which is pretty spectacular. Because you can see the uh, the upper atmospheric winds uh, act upon them, and they form all kinds of neat little snake-like uh, <laughs> shapes to them.
0: Now, what, what time of the evening would you recommend looking at this?
1: Well... Actually, when it becomes dark around 9 p.m., the Perseid Radiant, which is the area of the sky where the Perseids shoot from, is located lowest in the sky, which is due north. So that's probably the worst time to look for them. As the night progresses, the uh, Perseid Radiant will shift along with all the other stars up into the uh, northeastern sky, and it'll be highest right before dawn. So the absolute best time is to look in that uh, hour right before dawn.
0: Okay, now I seem to remember back in, I think it was 2016, we had a pretty good outburst. At right.
1: Point. Every 12 years, um, Jupiter Jupiter in- encounters the uh, the uh, orbit of the, you know, the main core of the orbit of the, of the uh, Persean meteors and pushes it a little closer to Earth. Huh. So, uh, 2004 was a very good year 2016 and we're seeing the the downslope of that now okay uh, not so it's not going to be as good as 16 it was good last year except we had almost a full moon so that uh that didn't help uh, numbers at all but this year maybe a slightly enhanced you know if you if, if the uh, mean average uh rate per hour would be 60. I may expect up to 75. Okay, but, so about but, one but per that, minute. That, yeah, for
0: sure. Fantastic. That's easy enough. and most of those are easy naked eye objects too, if that you're in a is, fairly yes. dark sight.
1: Your, your average Persean meteor would probably be around uh, second to third magnitude. Oh. Of, course, of course, if you're observing and your limiting magnitude is 6.0 to, to 7, then it'll be even dimmer. Which, which is, you know, not that impressive, but you'll see more activity.
0: Right. Now, where would you suggest someone go to observe a meteor shower?
1: Okay. Uh, you can actually watch it anywhere, uh, but like I said, if you're located within the city limits and you have a lot of fla- uh, street lights and and city lighting, you will not see very many. If I say you're, you'll see su- uh, 60 from the country, you'll maybe only see 15 to uh, 20 per hour uh, from your backyard in in the city. So go to someplace safe in in the rural area, you know, mountains, parks, something like that. Uh, Even uh, some places, uh, uh, national monuments will have programs inviting folks out to uh, observe the show. You know, they have parking lots so you all can park and, you know, sit in the back of your truck or something like that. But uh, yeah, try, try to get away from city lights guarantee you'll see more activity
0: yeah that's the thing about meteor showers so you don't need you don't no optical aid you just grab a lounge chair outside right (laughs) and a nice warm blanket or a summer night it might not need a nice warm blanket you know some hot chocolate or something
1: right your eyes have a nice wide field of view so they're able to see meteors all over the sky and you don't have to look right at the perseid radiant uh the perseid meteors will shoot all over the place so, uh, you know, look wherever, wherever, wherever it's darkest.
0: Just basically uh, in the northern area, then, you're saying?
1: Well, not necessarily. You could, you could look opposite, and the, the meteors will enter your, your field of view from behind. So, you know, they'll, they'll be uh, easy to tell which are Perseus and which are not, because the Perseus will be fast, and they'll all be shooting in one direction. Uh, say, say if you look south, you might see some of the activity from the uh, is and the Aquariids, uh, which are kind of winding down at that time of year. But those meteors are slower, have other, you know, characteristics, so uh, it's, it's easy to tell them apart. Wow. Plus, plus you have sporadics that are shooting like once every five minutes. So there's all kinds of nice activity out there.
0: And sporadics are just the random meteors They're, that are just... Right, you are right. Now, uh, you're the coordinator of the uh, meteor section. Do you want people to send you their observations?
1: Most definitely. Uh, my email address is L-U-N-R-O dot I-M-O dot USA at cox.net Great. So that's.
0: I'll put that in the show notes. Now, what type of observations are you looking for?
1: What we're really looking for is for, for folks to observe at least an hour at a time. The main reason for that is that meteor showers are notorious for having peaks and valleys. If you go out for fifteen or twenty minutes. And you happen to time it with one of those valleys of activity, you're going to say, "Wow, this guy's nuts! I didn't see a thing." (laughs) On the other hand, if you hit one of those peaks, you say, "Wow, this was just great." But you're going to notice if you watch for an hour that there's going to be both peaks and valleys. So that would skew your average of the number of meteors per hour. Exactly, exactly. And there may be some unknown filament from, you know, way, way back that may produce a, uh, a small little outburst. Uh, you may see, uh, you know, one per minute for a while and then, then none for five minutes and all of a sudden 10 or 20. You say, wow, something happened at that particular time. So if you can keep t- careful track of your time and, uh, you know, for fun, you can even keep track of your magnitudes.
0: Oh, Okay.
1: You know and see how you know what your average magnitude was, and uh, it also helps to uh, describe your uh, sky conditions. Uh, try to estimate the, the dimmest star you can see. Most folks from the city can see maybe four to five, but if you're out in the country, you can really see all oh, the stars of the Milky Way, it can range anywhere from six to seven, and that, that really helps us judge. Your uh, your sky conditions and allows us to uh, put a correction factor in there, so we so we can bump up the ones that were observed from town and you know kind of subtract uh, the ones that were observed way out in the country, so we get a good good average there.
0: So the more information you put on your report, the
1: better. Most most likely, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, do you have an observing form that you have we, on the website?
1: We do, we do. It's uh, there's two, there's one one called the advanced form and one just the uh, their regular old forum that uh, lists categories. So just go to the ALPO website and uh, look look for those forums. Yeah, and, and, and plus, plus if they have trouble, if they're, they're in the MS Word, if they have any trouble at all, they can email me and I can uh, send them send them to them directly.
0: And I'll put the links for those too in the show notes. Sure. Be, it would be fun to get some listeners, yeah, you know, to go out and look at this meteor shower. Uh, one hour, two hours, just uh, block off right. of an hour. And what night
1: of the week you said it was? The, the actual peak is going to happen right in between August 12th and 13th this year. And the reason for that, you know, the Earth does not have an exact 365-day uh, orbit. It's actually 65 right. and a quarter days, 365 and a quarter. So every, every year, the peak adva- uh, advances by six hours. Okay. So this year, it's expected right around... Uh, Oh shoot! Like uh, I think it's six p.m. Uh, Pacific time, which is you know with the radiant very low on the, hor- on right, the horizon, right. so that, that's not that hot. But uh, like I said, uh, you you can't observe that night or the night before, and, and even if, you know if it's cloudy on the twelfth, try try the thirteenth. Okay, uh, you'll be disappointed, and it, even the nights before and after you're talking about the 11th or, or the 14th, you know, their activity may be down by 50%, but shoot, that's still better than 90% of the, of the nights of the year, so yeah.
0: And those well, observations are valuable
1: as well. Oh, most definitely, because almost everybody observes on the peak night, but, you know, on, on the off nights, eh, not so many observations. So that would definitely help give an entire uh, profile of the Perseus instead of just a peak night.
0: That's great. So I'm challenging my listeners to go out there and take a look look at this meteor shower and fill a report out and send it over to Bob. Now, you're also involved with the AMS?
1: Yes, I am. The AMS and the International Meteor Organization. And uh, we invite uh, listeners to uh, record any fireballs you see, anything that you judge as brighter than uh, the planet Venus. Go ahead and make special note of that at the time and uh, direction and anything, and uh, you can go to either one of those websites, the uh, amsmeteors.org or imo.net, and uh, log a uh, fireball report.
0: Great. Now, talk to me a little bit about the AMS. What kind of work do they do?
1: Well, they mostly concentrate on on meteor showers, and uh, we do a lot of research and, and try to pick out the best ones that uh, you know are available to observe that's that's not easy anymore because with the with people out there with video cameras we're finding all kinds of meteor (laughs) showers more and more Uh. and a lot of these were only based on maybe ten meteors and so the odds of any visual observer going out and and seeing one of the one member of that shower is pretty remote so what I do is I try to look at these new showers and add them to the list if I feel that the you know the general public has a chance to actually see them. And right now my list is about oh probably about between 100 and 110 uh, showers that occur throughout the year.
0: Wow! Now when you look at possible new showers, you look at associated comets or other pheno- phenomena that be associated right.
1: to them? right. Right. Uh, these these cameras do have the capability to uh, you know especially if you have more than one. Camera that catches this particular meteor, you can triangulate the orbit, get the height of it, and and see if uh, you can associate that with with any more, and uh, and find out an orbit of these particular uh, meteors, and and then 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 compare it to any any, any uh, comets that uh, are are in that general area. That's
0: amazing. I thought all all meteor showers had been discovered by now.
1: Oh, heck no. The, uh, the list on the uh, IAU site list over 1,000 now, so... Really? <laughs> it's insane. Oh, it my is, goodness.
0: Totally I had never, uh, never... Now, when you're talking about cameras, what, what are they using, all-sky type cameras, or...?
1: No, actually, the, the best meteor-detecting uh, cameras cover smaller areas of the sky, but they have... Good limiting magnitudes. All sky cameras are pretty much limited to about meteors of negative oh. two to maybe zero. So they only catch the brighter one and those those folks are mainly interested in fireballs. But uh to capture the most activity on the video camera, you want a smaller field of view and and to capture fainter meteors.
0: So do you have a group of people that are going
1: out there nightly looking for new meteor showers? Uh, it's it's a small group. Small group okay. Yeah, it's hard enough to get them just out to uh, observe the, uh, you know, the the major ones. But yeah, there there are several individuals.
0: Maybe and... if you named them after the person that found them, it'd be more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that used to be the case. We used to have the Jacobinis and and you know uh, that were actually named after that's, after the. the that's the, right. The, the comma. Yeah. and and items like that but no unfortunately that doesn't happen anymore we've also had a few requests that people have the fireballs named after them too when they don't realize that you know 500 other people also saw it
0: right and it's gone (laughs) in a second
1: right yeah so there's not much discovery it's not coming back every
0: 76 years
1: (laughs) yeah that's funny
0: Wow, that's great! Um, so, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about the meteor shower and anything else coming? I, up? I
1: know a lot of folks can't be out, you know, after midnight. So, uh, although the Perseids uh, produce, you know, small uh, activity, you know, prior to midnight, uh, don't give up. Go ahead and uh, go out at nine o'clock and be out between nine and ten. You may not see that many, but the ones you'll see will be called Earth grazers, because at that time of night. The, the geometry of the perseids intersecting the earth just allows them to skin skim the upper uh, upper limits of the atmosphere so instead of meeting it head on it just skims it and these particular perseids will last oh you know 3 or 4 seconds instead of a, a millisecond plus they'll span you know a good 20 30 degrees sometimes uh, almost the length of the sky you know depending on the wow. on the circumstances so, yeah, if you can't be out during the morning hours, go ahead and try for Earth crazers. Uh There's not so many of them, but they're really impressive. That's that's
0: really good advice. And the thing I like about meteor showers is you can do astronomy, you can do science, sitting in a lounge chair. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> watch most just, definitely. just looking up. And that's that's really cool. I mean, you don't have $1,000 worth of equipment. You just have a, a watch where you write down the time of... Or your cell phone when you write down the time. You know, you know, it's
1: a great way to learn the constellations, too. That's a good point. Because, you know, you're lying back there, you're comfortable, and it says, hey, I never really knew that Chrono Borealis was a semicircle here and, and that there were so many stars right inside of it, too. So, Or, you know, items like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, the first thing you have to do is figure out where Perseus is. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> you find that, then you're on your way.
1: You're definitely on your way. That's great. But, well, well, anything else, Bob? Oh, not really. Not really. I just uh, hope for clear skies for everybody. Oh, that'd be great.
0: Well, I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast. You're a great guest. And every bright meter shower we have, we're going to have you back on, all right?
1: Outstanding. I look forward to it.
0: All right. Good talking to
1: you. Okay.
0: Bye-bye. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again want to thank Bob Lentz for for coming on and giving uh, giving us some insights to seeing the Perseid meteor shower. I hope all of you have a chance to get out there and observe the meteor shower. It's going to be glorious. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review us. It brings more listeners to the podcast. And you can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can support the podcast using Patreon. If you give up to $35 a month, you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I'd really like to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Seidentop, for again his generous support of the Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much, Steve. The link for Patreon as well as the link for the ALPO is down below in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at or on Twitter at at Observer's NB pod. You can find the ALPO on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And the podcast also has a Facebook page. Just search for Observer's Notebook. Until next time. My hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.